Has life ever smacked you up the side of the head? (laughs) Practically screaming at you, hey, watch where you're going. It's pretty startling when it happens, even deeply unsettling. Anyway, that's how I experienced it beginning in the fall of 08. Life had been feeling really good. I had just turned 45 years old and I was loving my 40s. I was running a successful real estate business and my husband David was working on his fourth internet startup. We worked hard and we played hard. We were living the American dream or at least the gay version of it. We were splitting our time between the south end of Boston and Provincetown in the summer. We had a large and fabulous friend group and an active social life. Lots of parties and fun vacations, Ibiza in the summer, skiing in the Alps in the winter. We had a lot of toys. Boy, was that Porsche fun to drive. Who knew it was possible to drive from Boston to Provincetown in only one hour and 40 minutes? (laughs) Shh, you didn't hear it from me. But that summer, lying there on the beach, under the bright sun in the impossibly blue sky, an underlying anxiety was creeping through the crowd. It was almost like that scene from the movie Jaws. It was, everything looked good. People were playing in the waves, but you could hear that disquieting, repeated bass motif. Dun, 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 dun. You knew something bad was about to go down. And after Bear Stearns had failed in the spring of 08, the finance guys from New York City were unusually nervous, not their cocky selves. They'd taken to climbing up to the top of the dunes at the beach that summer, waving their arms about, trying to catch a signal with their fancy new iPhones. They wanted to see how the markets were doing, and they were a little wobbly. And rumors were starting to fly of more bankruptcies to come in the finance sector. The storm was about to break. Then, in the second week of September, Lehman Brothers failed. It was unthinkable at the time. It was the largest bankruptcy in U.S. history, and the government announced that it wasn't going to bail them out. We were all at the beach that day when the story broke. The finance guys left in a hurry, scattering like rats to go back town and catch the news and see what was going on. And I remember rolling over and turning to my husband, David, and saying, in four months, you're going to be unemployed, and I'm going to be making 50% of what I normally make. David was incredulous and told me I was overreacting because we weren't in the finance sector ourselves. And as it turned out, I was wrong. As the banking and credit market seized up, David actually lost his job in two months, not four, and I ended up making only 25% and not 50% of what I normally made. 
Houston, we have a problem. Two mortgages and a car lease to pay all on 25% of normal income. Not gonna happen. And so began our journey into the Great Recession. Sometimes life really does smack you up the side of the head. We needed to make major adjustments if we were going to avoid foreclosure. David's unemployment was going to run out and he had no options for a new job. We cut our expenses to the bone. We locked up the credit cards. If we didn't have the cash to buy something, we didn't buy it. I turned the Porsche back into the dealer to get out from underneath the lease payment. We rented out all the spare bedrooms in our house in Boston to friends who now needed a place to stay for a while so as to help pay the mortgage. But as time went on, even that wasn't enough. So we turned our Provincetown place into a weekly rental business the following summer. And we moved into a tent pitched in a friend's garage in Provincetown so that we could stay and do the cleaning ourselves for the weekly turnovers. We hauled all the fancy designer clothes to the consignment shop and we took what we could for them and we stood on the brink of losing it all in the summer of 09. And you know what? We had more fun together that summer than we have had in the 34 years that we've been together. Now, how can that be? Savor life. Take joy in the presence of the present. Our experience during the Great Recession taught us a lot about the benefits of resisting the urge of consumerism. Through advertising, we are constantly bombarded with messages to buy more, 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 and even more in the never-ending, never-achievable quest to find happiness through the acquisition of yet more consumer goods and experiences. Our primary modes of communication, these amazing little devices, are designed to deliver us content that in the world of social media, we are to consume. I hate that analogy, consuming content. Now, I like the New York Times and NPR as much as anyone else, but I don't want to eat them. So what do we discover when we set aside the drive to consume? That depends on mindset, that of our own, and that of those who observe what we are doing. Let's flesh out this idea of mindset with an example. Back in the Great Recession, our priority was to avoid foreclosure. We made sound decisions and we were prepared to wait out the storm and see how it would turn out. There was nothing more we could really do. So without much work to do and with time on our hands, we figured we may as well try and enjoy ourselves in the present. Our mindset was not one of deprivation or scarcity, but one of curiosity, wondering what was going to happen. 
but knowing that we were in it together, even if we were living in a tent in a garage. And that's when it happened. What I like to refer to as the great sorting. As people came to know that David was unemployed, that we had rented out our homes, that we were doing weekly rental turnovers and cleanings ourselves, and living in a tent in a garage, those who were true friends had us over for dinner, allowed us to pitch that tent in their garage, and most importantly, allowed us to use their bathroom. But our fabulous friends of convenience disappeared with the party invitations that no longer seemed to arrive. I suppose it was just too awkward, a bit too uncomfortable for them to socialize with someone who seemed downwardly mobile. <laughs> the fear that it could soon happen to them may charitably explain their distancing. We also discovered that there is a certain liberation that can come from resisting the culture of mass consumerism. As we spend less time shopping, researching the latest fashion trends, sussing out the trendy vacation spots and restaurants, and researching the pros and cons of the new iPhone versus the new Android, we discover that over time, we have more time on our hands and more money in our pockets. Interesting. More time and more money. Now, back in the summer of 09, I wouldn't exactly say that we had more money in our hands. Not yet, anyway. But we certainly had more time. And so we spent it deepening friendships learning how to have fun on a budget at cheap backyard barbecues and our version of the drive-ins, which consisted of a sheet tacked on the garage door with lawn chairs in someone's borrowed iPhone, Apple projector, gizmo thingy. All the neighbors just wandered over to see what we were up to and joined in the fun. Bugs Bunny was never so funny. <laughs> and you should have seen our tie-dye outfits for the summer of love carnival theme in Provincetown. Not to mention my thrift store put-together outfit for our group parody performance of The Brady Bunch. I was Carol Brady, sporting a sassy blonde bobbed wig, polyester blouse, and a tight red naugahyde miniskirt all from the Methodist Union thrift store for only $3. <laughs> and of course, we had to learn a dance number and the theme song for the skit, for no parody is complete without a song and dance routine. We were the smash hit of silly homemade fun that money simply cannot buy. And so we came through the Great Recession to the other side with an appreciation of homemade fun, meaningful relationships, and the lived experience that money doesn't buy happiness. We developed a healthy skepticism 
of consumerism and its false promises. And we managed to avoid foreclosure. These lessons and the positive mindset we developed would later serve us well in the isolation of the pandemic. We were not busy online shopping at Amazon thinking that somehow this was going to fill the void caused by pandemic isolation. Now, not everyone came out of these experiences with the same mindset. Some friends chose to double down on the myth of consumerism, taking it to the next level, consuming more at ever higher price points. As a result, their social circles have shrunk down to include only those who can afford to consume at the levels that they do. Not unlike alcoholics or those with substance use disorders, those who have doubled down on consumerism tend to hang only with their own. Those who encourage and support consuming at the same levels that they do. And so some of our friendships have drifted away. The spark of life and joy seemingly lost in a dizzying swirl of consumption that comes at great cost to themselves, their friends, and to the planet. As individuals and as a community, we can make different, healthier choices. We don't all have to wait like I did for life to personally smack us up the side of the head. As we start to contemplate the arrival of Earth Day on April 22nd and of our own 40 for the Earth initiative, we have a chance to look at how we consume and how we can decrease our carbon footprint. After services, FCB Green and youth group members will be staffing tables in the hall offering resource lists on four major areas of climate action that we can focus on. Buildings, transportation, food and land, and advocacy. Then on March 5th at 5.30, the Climate Action Info session will highlight positive actions that we can take related to our homes, yards, bank and credit card accounts. What actions will you choose to undertake during the 40 days before Earth Day? Put on your thinking caps. Because on March 12th, we will be writing our commitments on construction paper leaves that we will post after services at Fellowship for all to see. For further details, consult the website. Now. Being asked to give something up, to resist the allure of consumerism and to reduce our carbon footprint can sometimes make us feel like Odysseus, lashed to the mast pole of his ship with beeswax in his ears so that we, like he, do not fall prey to the siren's song. But resisting consumerism and making mindful decisions to reduce our carbon footprint are holy work, firmly rooted in many spiritual traditions. In the Buddhist tradition, this practice is known as mindful consumption. In an interview, Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh explained, quote, We like to buy new and exciting things. We are seeking happiness. 
but there is suffering inside of us. There is a big vacuum inside of us. That is why we are looking to fill up that vacuum. That is our situation. We don't feel at peace with ourselves. We don't know how to fill it up with better things, so we look to consumption. That does not seem to have the desired effect. We are buying more and more, but we do not feel the kind of fulfillment we need. Mindful consumption is the way out. Thich Nhat Hanh urges us to make a resolution. I am determined not to cover up loneliness, anxiety, or other suffering, losing myself in consumption. I will contemplate interbeing and consume in a way to preserve peace and joy in my body, consciousness, family, society, and the earth. My mindful consumption is the way out. My friends, some of us, that would be me, have had to wait for life to smack us up the side of the head before we discover the joys of mindful consumption and its benefits. Lying on the sunny beaches of our lives and splashing in the waves, we need not wait for a sudden change in personal circumstances to re-examine our spending habits and priorities. You remember, dun-dun. So let us bend our minds towards our 40 for the Earth initiative and discover the joys of mindful consumption. More time, more money, homemade fun, and deepening friendships. Let us savor life and take joy in the presence of the present, knowing that our efforts benefit ourselves, our families, our friends, our community, our country, and for the earth ever turning. May it be so. Blessed be. Amen.